Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Let's uh, go ahead and get into this, your bulletin, get into your, uh, your app or whatever you're using at home. And we're in the second week of Rooted, and we're looking at the book of Colossians. And so we're just going chapter by chapter. Um, I encouraged you last week, if you don't have a normal reading program, um, then read the book of Colossians. It's e- it takes about 15 minutes to read it. Average reader takes about 15 minutes. Um, to just go through the book of uh, Colossians. Here's the problem is Colossians is super rich. So you start thinking about it, and it can kind of maybe take a little longer than that because it's so rich. But if you just want to get through it, just read it. Um, first to last takes about 15 minutes. And so you can easily fit that in into your week. Probably even do it every day during this series if you wanted to. Um, it would be a pretty cool idea. And so... But I just want to encourage you that if you're not already on a Bible reading program. But we've been looking at this idea that um, uh, to build a life on Jesus, our lives should be rooted in Jesus. And this week we're on Colossians chapter 2, um, which it has been, Colossians 2 has been our, um, this, these verses are our launch verses for this series. And uh, Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 says, so then... Um, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Just this place of gratitude, just this place of understanding of how thankful we are that God looked our direction. God looked our direction first. Every other religion is man trying to get God's attention, trying to do something to to get God to notice. And Christianity is about God noticing on the front side, God loving and sending Jesus that while we didn't care anything about him, Christ died for us. And there ought to be a continual thankfulness in that. But I love that what verse 6 says. It says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. And Pastor Steve and I have talked about this multiple times over the, the last couple of years even, that just the, the truth is, is that God does not do a little bait and switch on you, okay? And a lot of times it's kind of can be presented that way, okay? God loves you. God's gracious. God's sweet to you. God's forgiven you. And so you come to and believe that. And then you say, yes, I received that. I placed my faith in a God who loved me that much and died for me. You're like, okay, great. And I step into this. And then now I say, okay, well, now you're a Christian. Okay, well, now well, you better act right because you carry the name of the Lord. You better stop doing this and start doing that. You better get your life together. And, you, man, you're a mess. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, this, this started with me coming and connecting with God who loved me where I was at and and forgave me and was gracious. How, how did all of a sudden this turn into something else? And it never really did, and it never does. From the very beginning, your very first connection with Jesus is the model for every connection with Jesus. Believe what he has done for you and just accept that and begin to grow in that. That is all of it. Just as you receive, you received it by faith, we continue to grow in Christ by faith. 
we, we start out in this place where him connecting with us in our brokenness the way we are. And guess what? We continue bringing him the way we are. It doesn't like all of a sudden, well, you, you know, you should have already been matured a little more than that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty frustrated with you there, Clark. No, he continues to pour it out. And we have to remember that's it. It is all about just the way we start with him, that we continue in him that way. It just gets deeper and richer. It doesn't all of a sudden you need a different skill set. It's like you got here by trusting God, and now all of a sudden you need to go out and do all this stuff and fix yourself for God. No, you continue to trust him. That's what begins to shift our lives as we continue to trust him, as we continue to go, you know what, God, your ways are they're higher than my ways. I would rather do it this way. I would rather handle it this way, but Lord, your, your Holy Spirit has reminded me that maybe I need to go this direction. Maybe I need to respond this way. Maybe I need to begin to make a different kind of choice in my life, and I'm gonna trust your way. And that place of faith lets us begin to live in the newness of life that he's called us to live. I've shared the story before, and you know, having a, having a house full of kids, um, and so we, you know, you, you know, things just, you know, things get messed up, things get broken, holes get put in walls. It just, it's part of life. And so, yeah, yes. You didn't even know. You just put a picture over it. That was my, <laughs> you're like, why is a picture so low? Don't ask questions. It looks great there. Joanna Gaines would never put, hush Joanna Gaines. We don't care about Joanna Gaines. Don't bring her name up to me again. And so it's, it's you just, but things get broken and things get messed up. And, and so you got to have some sort of place to function. And with the kids playing outside and doing all that stuff, well, we, you know, we'd grind into our children, you know. Uh, you know, you need, you need to wipe your feet off, you know. Um, we're not a family that takes their shoes off, you know. Um, uh, we had teenage boys. We just didn't want that to happen. And so... Um, but you're like, okay, okay, at least just use the mat. We've provided a mat, use the mat. Um, and Carson was about six years old and had been playing out front and had his muddy shoes. And somehow, some reason, the mat got moved, for whatever reason, off the front door into the back door. So Carson knows he's supposed to wipe his shoes, so he goes through the front door, walks through the living room, walks through the dining room, walks through the kitchen, walks through the utility area, opens the back door, goes out, <laughs> comes back in just as proud of himself as he could be. He did good. He wiped his feet on the mat. Um, and, of course, that didn't quite meet what our expectations were. And our initial point is to bow up and go, hey, you, buddy, you totally blew it. But I think for us as believers, that's actually a really beautiful picture. Because so many times we can stand at the threshold of stepping into something with God and then look down at the dirt on our feet and look down at the stuff of our life and go, man, I, gotta get off. I can't step into that. I can't step into that. Oh, I can't deal with that. Man, I've got to get this dealt with. When what we needed to get that dealt with along was on the other side of the door. And we have to be willing to go, you know what? He loves me enough that he's going to deal with it. See, that's why Jesus sat there and he washed his disciples' feet. And they bowed up against it like, no, no, you can't wash my feet. 
And he was telling his disciples and he was telling all of us, he's like, I know there's going to be grime from the journey. Just put your feet in my hands. I know it. I'm not surprised by it. I'm not surprised by it. Let me clean them. Let me wash them. Let me do that. Your instinct is going to say, no, I need to handle that. I need to fix that. I know it doesn't, I know it doesn't meet your standards, and let me fix it, and then I will. How many of us have stayed on the other side of something God has called us into because we needed to fix something first? The fix is in his presence. The fix is on the inside. That's where it's found. And Paul is desperately reminding the Colossians, desperately reminding them. Folks, this stuff that you started with, that's where the truth is. It's in him. It's deeper into him. Yes, you need to grow. Yes, you need to mature. Yes, there's some life change that the Holy Spirit is going to bring, but it's found in him. It's found in him. See, the the more we know and understand Jesus, the more we understand the mystery of God. We go deeper and deeper into Jesus. Yes, there's a place where there's a God is a mystery. And the best thing we have other than Jesus is metaphor, which is why the Old Testament is full of metaphors. In fact, the entire Jewish worship system were these beautiful metaphors. This is why why John was able to sit there and decree the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's take our little Christian heritage, if you've got some of that, and park that. How does that sentence make any sense? The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That makes no sense. It makes no sense. And then he's pointing at a guy. He's not even a lamb. Why? But it made 100% sense. It made deep, meaningful sense to all of the Jews that he was speaking to because they understood the, the Hebrew worship system. And there, that annually, that spotless lamb was sacrificed on behalf of the sins and the mess-ups and the stuff of the entire nation and that they were in a fresh place right with God. And he says that in that one sentence, that metaphor, that beautiful thing, helped to understand this mysterious, amazing, wonderful God that we have. But see, we don't have to fully rely on metaphor anymore. We have, a, we have a man. We have a savior. We have God in the flesh who came to show us. And I'm not gonna hide on the other side of poetry anymore. I'm not gonna be on the other side of metaphor anymore. You wanna understand what God looks like. It showed up in the person of Jesus, which is why we dig deeper and deeper and deeper into Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 says, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. That's the mystery of God. It shows up in Jesus. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But we have to fully understand Jesus first. We have to understand him. We have to get him down. And if we don't get him down, we can't understand any of it. Because a misunderstanding 
man, it messes everything up. We had a great time at the marriage retreat just a couple of weeks ago, and um, uh, we do uh, our, our own content, and so we had, you know, some of our own couples doing, doing the sessions and teaching, and uh, we had uh, uh, Stuart and Melva Sussdorf, who are on our elder board here, and um, then they did, one of the, they did one of the sessions, and so as they were doing uh, this session, um, if you know Stuart and Melva, uh, you know Stuart is the more verbose one of the two, okay? Amen. Just to be nice about that, Stuart, wherever you are, uh, you talk a lot, buddy. And so I love you. And so, which is awesome. But so, but Melva uh, doesn't talk as much. And so the session was over, and man, Melva, she just like came on court, man. She just lit it up, and she she just was just downloading these, this great stuff this, and, um, and spoke more than Stuart. And Stuart was just left saying, yep, yep. It, it was, it was kind of cool to watch. And so, uh, um, and so then afterwards, we were all had had lunch, and we, we were connecting. And so I went over to Melva, and I told her, I said, Melva, um, you, you did an amazing job. Y'all just did such a great job. And she responds to me, and she says, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I ran point on it. And I was like, man, you, you did. I was like, you, you, sp- you spoke over 50% of the time. Uh, I said, it was, it was so good. And she's just sitting there smiling at me and being sweet Melva. And I'm like, yeah, awesome. And so then Stuart walks up, and he walks up to me. And I was like, man, I was just telling Melva, um, you know, what a great job you did. And she's like, yeah, I, I told him um, I really rambled. Wait a second. My brain caught up. I thought she said she ran point. She said she rambled. My response to her saying she rambled was, yeah, you spoke over 50% of the time. (laughs) I was like, oh, that that was... Oh, my God. No, that was not what I heard you say. I heard you say you ran point because she was the one that put it all into an outline. She was the one that put it all together. And Stuart has not put things in outlines. And, <laughs> and, 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 so, and, I, and so, but it made sense on my end. And sadly, it makes sense on her end, too, that here her pastors tell us. She says, I rambled. And her pastor says, yeah, you did. You spoke over 50% of the time. Ah, uh, no! And had Stuart not walked up, it, that would have been the end of it. I would have been convinced. I was just encouraging, and I, I was like, let her know how much you meant. And she was like, Stuart, we're finding a new church. That guy's a, that guy's a jerk. And, uh, and so, but I just, it was a simple misunderstanding, but it was the interactions fit perfectly. Nothing I said made, it, made her know I didn't understand her. And, man, I had no idea I didn't understand. And, and there's so many times that then if we don't get Jesus right, if we don't get that right, then all of our interpretations of who God is are end up wrong. And we feel like we've got it. We feel like we've got it. And God's on the other side going, that is not right at all. That is not it. It is about what I did in my son, not what you do for my son. 
It is about what I did in him. You receive it, you, re- you grow in it, and then guess what? The doing takes place all by itself. He begins to grow, begins to change, you begin to morph, you begin to become who he meant for you to be all along as you grow in who he is. <clears throat> Second Peter 1 3 says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Does it sound like there's anything we've been shorted on? Everything we need for life and godliness. No, we've been given it all. You already have it. You already have it. It's not something we're having to pray down from heaven, God, to do some new special thing. No, it's already been given. Here is the thing. It's through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's through our knowledge of him and his glory and his goodness. That is it. That is where everything we need exists, is in our knowledge of who he is. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or, or regard to religious festival, new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. These were metaphors. These were things that showed us what was going to come. They were shadows of what were going to come. The reality is found in Christ. Now, this don't let anybody judge you is not this thing of don't you judge me. No, it is don't embrace their judgment. Don't embrace it. Sometimes in resisting somebody who is judging you, you still have embraced it. You still got wrapped up in it. You still got, he said, no, just slough it off. Just, just move on in him. Still love him, still move on. That's the don't let anybody judge you. You don't have to be all, uh, uh, all flustered about it. But we just understand that the reality is found in Christ. See, understanding, this understanding becomes a foundation for truth. Colossians 2, 4 through seven says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. He's concerned that these people who've been taught who Jesus is and the reality of it, that somebody's gonna come along and have some fine-sounding arguments. It says, for though I'm absent from you in the body, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. What works against these, these, these places of fine-sounding arguments that might deceive us? Understanding who Jesus is. Being rooted in that. That is what keeps us solid. Paul also writes to the Galatians. This says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. See, the, the truth is, is some of what sounds right, these right-sounding arguments, some of that, it's simply human tradition that gets intermingled. Now, I'm not remotely here to say that all tradition is bad. Not remotely. There are things where things that are regular and, and there's, somebody could come and watch us for a while and say, we have our traditions. We have our, the way we do things. Here's the problem. If we begin to wrap up our worship and connect them with that tradition and 
and look at everything through that, that's when things begin to get off. Uh, my pastor, um, he shared a, a story uh, a couple of years ago, and it just so perfectly fits this. And, and um, his uh, uh, grandson, Max, who was about two years old at the time, uh, Max loved chocolate milk. Loved chocolate milk. It was his favorite thing in the whole world. And when he would go over to Papa's house um, and Papa Mimi, and they would make this chocolate milk, and, and there was a process to it. It made it a whole elaborate deal. And and that Papa would get the milk and pour the milk, and Max would he would just be so excited, uh, chocolate milk, and just so excited. And then they would get the get the the Hershey's and put it in there and do it, and then he would stop, and Max would tell him, no, more, 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 more. He's like, ooh, chocolate milk, and he's so excited, and then they sit there, and then they stir it up and make a routine out of stirring it up and put the little lid on the sippy cup and then finally present to him that perfectly made batch of chocolate milk for him and then get the chocolate milk and just enjoy it. And they just loved that whole thing, and they did that at, at, at Papa Mimi's house every time. Did that every time. And then one day, they were sitting there going around, and, and his grandmother um, sat there, and he said, I want chocolate milk. She goes over there, grabs the milk, pours it in there, makes it, hands it to him. Didn't do the routine. This kid who loves chocolate milk, loves his grandma, loves not getting in trouble, takes that deal of chocolate milk, and hurls it across the kitchen. No! No! And took what he loved, the whole point of the whole thing, and rejected it and hurled it, and his dad came up off the couch, Pat said, and dealt with little Max and uh, brought some order to that little guy. But because he didn't get the process, he didn't get the tradition, he didn't get the routine, he didn't get the ritual, then it was off to him, and then he rejected the whole thing. Folks, sometimes we just need to just pare it down, and it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Whether we get to sing our favorite song, it's just Jesus. Whether we get to do it in the style that we like it, it's just Jesus. Whether we get to hear our favorite communicator, our favorite preacher, or we get to read from our preferred translation, or we get to do the processes, it's just Jesus. Please, 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 Lord, let us never find ourselves discarding Jesus for the sake of human tradition. Let us never do it. And it was a risk with the Colossians, and it was a, been a risk ever since then. And folks, let us not deceive ourselves. It is a risk for you and me. It's a risk for all of us to get wrapped up in the traditions and feel like we've done the traditions and we've done the things and we've done the ritual stuff, and therefore we're, we're on board and we've missed it and we've ended up going through the motions and we end up with an empty cup. We did all the stuff, all the process, and the, what was, it was all about was never there. We need to make sure we stay. It's just about Jesus. There's nothing wrong with those things, our preferences, but their preferences. It has to stay focused on Jesus. We are drawn back into human tradition when we quit pursuing Jesus. We're drawn back into it when we quit pursuing Jesus. There's a... Um, a big game that'll be coming up in uh, February. Um, you may have heard of it. It's called Super Bowl. 
Um, so I don't know that anybody's really going to care this year or not. <laughs> so, um, but it will be played. It will happen. Um, and so, and if you've ever been to a Super Bowl party, um, then you'll see some of this stuff played out uh, because there are the people who they're about that team. They followed that team. They've cared about that team, and they're so excited that that team is there. And then there are other people who just like a Super Bowl party. And so, and that they want to be able to watch the commercials and eat all of the chips and dip and all this different stuff that goes with it, mile-high sandwiches, the whole, whole thing, and be able to do that. And it doesn't even matter to those people what's happening in the game. It doesn't even matter. They just love the tradition of it. But then you have somebody who is cared about the game. They're the person nobody likes at the party. <laughs> because they're like, hush, go on the... Can you see I'm trying to watch this game? They're the ones who hate the commercials. They hate them because they want to get back to the game. And everybody else just is like, oh, commercials, commercials, let's see the commercials. Oh, that was so funny. Oh, that was, that was weak. Oh, but that was funny. And they just love the commercials and just love the entertainment of it. And the hardcore person, they'll sit there and they'll watch it on a little black and white six-inch TV and cheer all the way when they care about what's happening there. All of a sudden, when we're really invested, the, the human tradition stuff doesn't matter anymore. But when we take, about what, take out what it's really about, then all that's left is the traditions. All that's left is the entertainment. All that's left is everybody getting together. All that's left is that. And Paul wants the Colossians to always, every time they connect, for it to be about Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Stay dialed in to Jesus. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ. In Christ is the fullness, and you've been given fullness. You and I have been given fullness in him, who is the head over every power and authority. Then verse 13 says, and, and when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He's again coming back to the simplicity of how we started this, how we began in Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it, nailed it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He can come back to the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus was winning everything. Every battle you would ever face, he was winning it right there on the cross. And Paul calls the Colossians and he calls us back to this truth that that is where it happens. We have been given fullness in Christ. See, living in the newness of who we are in Christ is the only thing that produces true, abundant life. Living in him is the only thing that produces it. Is it. That's it. Verse 18 says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. 
Such a person goes into great detail about what he's seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs himself up with idle notions. He's lost connection with the head, with Jesus, and from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Not as the body goes to the spiritual gym, the church, and does all its spiritual activities, church life. No, as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Everything that pulls at our senses, everything that drives us into the stuff we know there's no life in, all of those things have no value. The only thing that has value is the life of Christ. That is it. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. It's freely ours. It's ours in him. Our bottom line today is this. Being rooted in truth grows true life. That's where it happens. You have to be rooted in the truth, not in a misunderstanding of the truth, not in all of the, the stuff that looks like the truth, not all of the traditions of man and all of those different forms and whatnot, even our own traditions. We cannot slip into that. It has to stay in Jesus. It has to. That is where the life is. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.